23 minutes after 7 p.m., you tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We kick things off as we do uh, every day and on this Thursday, no different. We start off in the markets, markets having closed at 5 p.m. Uh, just two hours and 24 minutes ago. And uh, we have some company news for you tonight because uh, certainly one of the big stories coming out of Sabanya Stillwater. And then we also have an update from uh, that uh, tailings dam collapse out in Yachas Fontaine. Bandila Matandela, market analyst, is my guest. Ndaka Matandela. Masquam kwa mgele ndia tembu buyile nga hapa emelika. Beskeza la mamelika hapa ngobe skala no andil. Guess what? You need Salah not. Hey, in those names, in those names. Rur, but that time before you become Nanda Melika, what boy? No, when you are Nanda boy, I post. Okay. No, because you are Pumla man. But lately, I am not Manu Pumla. Kakulu put, kakulu. Manu Pitubas. I want us to start by Yakas Fontaine. Yeah. I think all of our listeners are familiar with what happened at Yakas Fontaine, the collapse of a tailings dam. Uh, it was a bit unclear who effectively owned it uh, because we also know a group linked with um, uh, Raynet or Ray Richmond or, you know, Zandozo Johan Rupert had yeah. at some stage been involved in this. They sold it off to a Dubai-based entity. There was some stuff around this in the Zondo Commission as well. Um, and I think the collapse of this dam certainly left many in that uh, community shocked. Uh, but, uh, yeah, one entity that wasn't shocked was the Department of Water and Sanitation. It seems they were yeah. warning the operators of the Stalings Dam, about all manner of issues. And uh, they are now, uh, I guess, enforcing an administrative action, which we understand has the same force of effect as criminal action. What's that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think um, you've painted the, the background there, I am. I mean, from, from what we understand is that this administrative enforcement, uh, it's basically a parallel enforcement action to the criminal case, the department said. Um, from what the of um, the deputy minister is saying at uh, water and sanitation is that the criminal case pertains to contraventions of the national water act you know so originally the you know the 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 the, the Yakutsun train developments they came out they basically said listen um, this particular um uh, a wall falling down is not going to have an impact on the water that's in, in that particular area but um, from what we understand, um, it, it, it really will have, uh, and it might potentially affect livelihoods. And uh, the Department of Water and Sanitation have thus decided that they will be pursuing um, criminal uh, criminal case against um, um, the, the, the Yakutsfontein development. Mm, mm. And, um, you know, just when we think about this particular tailings dam, at some stage it was a bit unclear whether or not this was an unrehabilitated mine would be governed by the NPRDA, or whether tailings dams, I guess, were not seen as mining per se and would have been covered by the National Environmental Management Act? Yeah, I mean, I think originally it wasn't clear, right? Um, but I suppose in this particular instance, the involvement um, of, of, of water and sanitation is, is, is because of the controversies that directly relate to the National Water Act which would then necessitate action on their front, you know. So that's 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 the angle in which they are getting involved and coming in. 
Well, again, you know, it's important to note uh, that at this point, this is, of course, from the water and sanitation. Um, the, 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 the other party has not responded to questions or to any commentary as yet. And I imagine they, you know, cracking their heads from a legal point of view as well now to sort of uh, see whether or not they can counter this and whether or not that will stand, we'll have to wait and see. But um, we do understand that because of those contributions to the National Water Act necessitated actions from the Department of Water and Sanitation. Yeah, this is one we're certainly going to be following, but uh, certainly a lot to make sense of. Uh, yeah. insofar as that one is concerned. But um, talking about collapses, it seems uh, a chimney collapsing uh, at uh, one of our latest or latterly built power stations. You feel him, you know, I guess it's yeah. insofar as some of the new power stations are concerned. Yeah, I mean, uh, if it's not wet coal, if it's not, you know, sabotage, the seemingly always is a new problem happening within our power stations. Um, and what we understand now is that there's a problem at Kusile. Uh, basically, there's, uh, they've shut down one of its uh, six generating units after a duct collapsed. Um, and from what we're getting out of ESCOM at the moment through their statement is that um, this could remain offline for a couple of months. And I'm, of course, it's going to have a significant impact on this issue around low shading and the ability to be able to, 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 to supply energy to South Africa. We will know, of course, a clearer estimate in the coming weeks. But, I mean, even that alone, is, you know, weeks where we, we, we're still investigating, it's going to have a significant impact. And, I mean, a lot has been said about how this impacts the rest of South Africa. But, yeah, it is said that the duct appeared to have sheared off uh, from the unit's main structure. Uh, there has been a photo sort of circulating in the Twitter streets uh, and a lot of people call uh, communicate uh, sort of commenting on this but um, what we do know is that uh, uh, unit has been shut down and of course this is going to have impact on ESCOM's ability to provide energy to the country and I guess the the implications of this I mean th- there are identifiable original equipment manufacturers and contractors mm. who and designers who were tasked with bringing this online, who were tasked and expected to have some element of satisfactory workmanship. It's clear none of the things I'm talking about are present, not just in this one, but uh, even the other one. Yeah. Um, so, so what's the consequence of not meeting your end of the bargain insofar as all of these expectations are concerned? I suppose that's a million-dollar question, Aya, right? And that's the question that we're all asking to say, you know, if... If we've seen all of these cost overruns, if we're seeing all of these issues with those power plants, you know, what accountability is there for those that were entrusted with ensuring that they deliver? And I suppose, you know, it's always going to be that debate around, you know, some saying that it's because of lack of maintenance. It's because, you know, there's a lot of um, reasons that have been thrown into the to, to the space. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the question you're asking is, is, is exactly the right one. You know, what consequences are there, right? We cannot simply say, you know, this didn't work and they're not continuing to work. And, they, and, and, you know, we're seeing how it's impacting and affecting the entire country and various industries within 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 the country. But I think for me, you know, it's that it's that question, you know, what accountability, what responsibility are they going to take? And to what extent can we begin to have claims, you know, towards them? Um, and I mean, I suppose it's a very complex um, question, Aya, because of the, there would need to be a lot of other questions that are answered prior to that. You know, mm. what are the contracts? What do the contracts specify? 
what you know what was you know we need to really really understand a lot of those things. But I think the the the, the point is this: so you know we, we need we need to have some form of accountability. We cannot simply just say, you know, this happened. I mean, Kusine was supposed to be one of those you know um, power stations. You know that was going to also demonstrate our ability. You know. To construct massive infrastructure, mm. and it didn't—it didn't happen, right? And this has significant implications. And um, you know, hopefully, we're gonna, you know, start to hold these people accountable. And perhaps the question also arises: Who holds them accountable? Is it ESCOM? Is it National Treasury? And again, we'd have to look at how um, the contracts are actually structured and, um, you know, whether or not there's any recourse that we can be able to get as a country. Well, that's the other thing I wanted to comment on, Ndagamatandela, because my understanding of how some of these things are financed is, so for instance, some of this infrastructure was funded via World Bank loan, right? Some yeah. of it. Now, in the covenants of those loans, there would ordinarily be an expectation that you must work with a credible OEM, credible you know, engineering, procurement, yeah. and contracting people. Now, it's clear here that even the people who are credible have kind of robbed all of us blind. Um, and surely one's fear of the accountability, yes, we expect those we voted for who exercise oversight, who sit in parliament, who sit in government, uh, to also, you know, demand that heads must roll, somebody must take um, accountability for these um, in very particular ways. But even those agreements of multilateral institutions should also, if they do not, uh, have clauses that require some level of accountability because... You know, at the end of the day, a lot of this debt will st- sit with the sovereign. Uh, so I'm not sure. I mean, but it does seem to me that there are a lot of institutions that are expected here to make people account for some of the wrongdoing. Uh, but uh, as was the case with many other issues, the Einhoff and, you know, yeah. even the Tongat issue, it just seems to me capacity to properly investigate prosecute, convict, and take this across the line. Yeah, and perhaps that's 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 exactly it, right? I, it's just around that capacity, right? Do we even have the capacity to be able to conduct these necessary investigations? Because, I mean, these are not things that, you know, will happen uh, overnight, first and foremost, and we need significant resources, and also not even just resources from a financial perspective. Do we have the necessary expertise? You know, and it's not to say we don't have, right? And but it's but it's questions that we need to ask, right? Keep them sure, accountable, sure. and then capacitate them to be able to to you know to have the capacity to then uh, hold them ac- accountable, even if they're not the ones you know constituting the investigations as they mm. say, but to have an accountable and responsible body that will then pursue you know um, uh, action against those that um, didn't perform. Hey, London's getting careful, my pressure because yes. They hold them accountable. Um, is say maybe a combination of the energy regulator and the portfolio committee in parliament or joint committee aqua public mm. enterprises, no, you know, minerals and energy. Um, and then Ufumanzwa, no, that thing get, just gets stuck in process. So I'm also, you know, once we're done with that assessment of who must hold people to account, I, I think it's a necessary thing, but it might not be sufficient. Uh, for yeah. what it is that we want to achieve. And that's always my concern, Dagamatandela. But let's shift away from that because I have never seen in the last while, and I must say this and be frank with you, I've never seen such an eventful and such a busy, I don't know, was this a trading update or yeah. interim numbers, operating update actually, 
There's a lot happening there. So, so yeah. I actually, where I want us to start, Maskesh Kalang is our strike. Uh, we're not going to look at all of it. But just yeah. talk to me about the strike, because this week we were talking about uh, the looming retrenchment, Section 189A process at Beatrix, Nasekluf, some of the very deep gold mines, some of the deepest in the world, uh, which are, are to be found here in South Africa. Uh, the workers themselves are saying, no, we're being punished here with these layoffs. Uh, for the strike that we undertook and the disruptions to production. What, what do you make of that and I guess how that was treated in this operating update? Yeah. But a lot else happening out at Sibanye. Um New capital investments. I mean, there's a new facility out at Marikana. There's the uh, uh, Caliber play out in Finland. They've now acquired a very dominant majority in that uh, lithium hydroxide project. They're going to be producing battery storage for you know, uh, uh, new energy vehicles and so on. Uh, very interesting, uh, alongside, of course, the recycling business of PGMs and also battery metals as well. It seems, uh, notwithstanding all of the issues here at home, yeah, a lot happening, right? And uh, and I suppose, you know, they, 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 they had, of course, benefited significantly from the commodity boom, right? Um, and, you know starting to make certain strategic investments. Uh, I mean, companies this big, you know, um, they're able to, on one hand, be experiencing, you know, uh, cuts in production, but on the other hand, making significant investments from a capital perspective. A lot happening, um, a lot happening in the, within that organization. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, it's the nature of the beast, I suppose, um, if you just consider just how big they are. Um, making really, really bold moves. And um, I, I, I imagine if you're sitting there as a shareholder, you know, you, you're you looking very closely mm. just to see, you know, what, what the returns are going to be on some of these major moves. Um, but, yeah, definitely a lot of major moves happening within uh, within that organization. I mean, it is a significantly big organization. Indeed, indeed. And, of course, it's never been a company that's afraid to go out on yeah. a shopping expedition. You know, when you read Zabi's Dateman's, whatever issues you might have, and uh, there are many uh, with uh, the management team there. But if there's anything, they're not the kind of people that are going to stash money or just buy yeah. back shares or, you know, um, pay down debt. They're going to be doing some other things. Uh, so I want us to pause here for a second, uh, Bandila, take a quick breather. And then when we come back on the other side, we wrap up on Sabanya, but we also check in with this uh, interesting story here coming out of uh, importers of uh, what they call a KZN Amafrite. Um, yeah, these are, you know, uh, potato chips, Islam. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because it seems there's a trade issue related to the yeah. import of frozen chips or frozen French fries. Yeah, 17 minutes it is before 8 uh, p.m. It's the markets. And uh, tonight we're taking a look in our business wrap at uh, the latest stories out in company news. Of course, uh, that uh, big uh, announcement, a very lengthy and a very... Uh, event-filled announcement coming through from Sabanya Stillwater. They, they are busy with all manner of things. And uh, if you just joined us, I uh, was discussing that with Bandila Matandela uh, before we went to our break. But um, Bandila, just as we wrap up on Sabanya, um, I think the for them, there's also the big question mark around the softening, as some people have said, of uh, the basket prices of some of the things that they sell. Um, how much will that be weighing heavily on them? Or do you think all the recycling, the battery, and other plays that they are involved in might diversify whatever shock they take from lower prices. 
was actually going to make that point. I, uh, I mean, I think um, if you just look at perspectives, they can be able to cushion themselves, be able to move forward. So I think, I think, I think if you just look at the diversification that they've gone through and some of the moves they're making, I think they, they, they should be able to, to navigate um, those, those significant changes from a price perspective. Yeah, and then last story I want us to look at here. Um, Leama fried, Lea slap, Lea French fries, Lea your chips. Yeah. What's happening there? Uh, anti-dumping duties placed on Belgian and uh, Dutch uh, Im- well, exporters who import, was we in South Africa import from those countries. And uh, there was, um, I guess, uh, yeah, anti-dumping duty levied against um, these products. And uh, many now calling in the context of a food cost or food price crisis uh, calling for some of these duties to be, uh, I guess, rescinded or reviewed? So, I mean, I think, um, as you mentioned, these um, anti-dumping duties were introduced as sort of a preliminary at this point, right, while the <clears throat> sort of ITEC um, completes their investigation and looking into in, into this particular matter. So they've basically come up, uh, Melog, uh, which is one of the major... Um, Producers of uh, meat and vegetable products are saying that um, the price of potato chips, of frozen potato chips, has increased uh, substantially in recent time. And uh, these anti, these import duties that have been um, put in place are making it unaffordable for customers because it's end up making it's making the, the the end product more expensive. And one of the one of the issues they're raising is that Minister Patel uh, has basically come out and suspended the import duties when it's as far as it relates to frozen chicken from Brazil. Also, the, this and is them course, wanting and saying, "Hey, man, you got it for chicken. Why not now?" Yes, basically, they're saying, "Listen, if you can impose it for chicken." Then you can impose it for 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 potato for potato chips as well, you know. So that's the main standpoint. And they're saying, listen, we have to be. They think Minister Patel has to be sort of consistent in terms of how he applies, and also how does he determine if the issue is food inflation? How does he determine, you know, whether to uh, allow the imports with chips but not allow it with chicken? You know, that's what they're raising in this particular instance. You know, the the you know to an extent on the consistency on consistency part, you could argue that you know there's a point to be made, but. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's a it's a linear equation, right? You don't simply say if you don't impose it here, you'll impose it across board. But that's the background, and that's um, the, the the sort of the the the, the, the uh, their standpoint to say, you know, you have done with chicken, do it as well with frozen um, chips because it's affecting us um, significantly. And I mean, I think the bigger the bigger story here, Aya, for me, is just around. You know, to what extent you begin to protect local producers versus, you know, um, sort of these imports that then get dumped into our markets, um, usually uh, much more che- much more cheaper because of, you know, various things, economies of scale, cost of labor in various parts of the world. Um, you know, to what extent does, does, does the Ministry of Trade begin to come in and, and regulate and play a role that um, protects local industries? You know, so I think um, for me that's the bigger story here. But um, this particular instance, they want uh, these to be relaxed, and they and and they argue that they're not saying that they should completely uh, not be in place, but the the ones that should they should be applied in such a manner that um, they consider the fact that you know there's high inflation, food prices are increasing, and it's making it very difficult for the end consumer. Yeah, and I guess it's that balance between consumer welfare. 
um, by passing through lower prices and protecting your industry. But I think also the argument that the local industry is making um, is probably one um, that we probably have to listen to, which is that not always do the sort of freight on board price uh, as these things land from the sea, uh, not always is that price passed on because, uh, you know, as uh, distributors, people price at the same level comparatively as the market, including the local players. So uh, sometimes uh, I think the argument that, you know, uh, because it's imported at a cheaper price, that that is the price that consumers pay when they go into the fridge and take a, a frozen pack of, you know, uh, processed potatoes, um, I think is probably not always borne out. And I think that's, that's something we have to think about. I think that's 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 it, right? Um, they, they they price themselves according to the markets, regardless of of the fact that, from a cost perspective, they might have margins. I mean, I suppose they would argue that they would they won't they're not going to leave any margins on the table, right? Mm. So I think that's a that's a that's a strong argument. But um, then they can't argue yeah. for the consumer. You, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, if you if you're gonna take it much, uh, don't then come and say no, no, consumer welfare. You know, consumers want cheaper prices. Uh, uh, you know. Um, and and I mean, if if they had a demonstrated history of actually being you know below the market price and having a positive impact in terms of dropping the price, then there would be an argument to be had. But because you know historically, sometimes we've seen that it doesn't happen like that. I think to to it, it sort of weakens their argument. Um, and I think for me, you know, uh, the ministry as well has a, has a duty to an extent, you know, to 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 consider. Uh, some of the arguments that are being brought in by the local players, especially because you know I think their impact extends beyond just from a pricing perspective. Mm. You know they mm. they have they have an impact on the overall economy, whether it's through job creation or contribution to the GDP in any in any other way. So yeah, an interesting one. Um, but yeah, um, Minister Patel has been quite resolute um, and so far so far. And uh, just maybe on a lighter note, as uh, we wrap up, I mean, I, I remember during the uh, July riots, uh, there was a video doing the rounds on social media of a gentleman, I guess, who had gone in, you know, because and then when he came back, he thought he'd got something very valuable. And then when he opens up, I think, uh, whatever box he had there, uh, which he thought were electronics or whatever, because of how heavy they were, so we tell a younger lender from like whatever whatever warehouse they've broken into. I feel man, we frozen chips or say. So you pen it up. At least because go go sing again, but uh, how long can you keep frozen stuff, you know? With the load shedding. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us.